This is the Better Reading Podcast platform with stories behind the story, Jane's Be Better Podcast, my book chat with Caroline Overington and more. Looking for a particular podcast? Remember, you can always skip to it. Welcome to our monthly book chat. I'm Cheryl Arkell. And I'm Caroline Overington. And I love nothing more than having a chat about books. And so does Cheryl. So we thought we would share that conversation with you. Once a month, we'll discuss book and industry news, authors, and the books you should be reading. And maybe just a little bit of gossip. So Caroline Overington, book chat. Hello. Hello. It's been a while, hasn't it? I don't think it has. It just always feels like I want to talk to you more. But we do talk to each other an awful lot. (laughs) We do. We do. We talk to each other outside of book chat. And we shouldn't tell people that because I know our listeners love it and they'll want to hear about all our conversations. But some of them are very naughty. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) All right. We're not going to talk about those. Uh, Listen, what's happening? What have you been reading? Okay, I have been reading so much because we're at that time of the year when all the big books come out. Mm -hmm. So, of course, you know, there's a new Trent Dalton out. I do know that. There's a new Richard Flanagan coming. Yeah, I do know that. There's a new Christos coming. There's a new Kate Kate Granville. There's a new Charlotte Wood. Yeah. So all the big books are coming. Yeah, they do. And they always come out this time of year because it's Christmas. So I get a telephone call from a friend of mine who's a publicist and she says, would you like to meet Brian Brown? Now, I, as it happens, I met Brian Brown at the Sydney Writers Festival, I think. Maybe it was during the pandemic where we're wearing masks. I don't know. But I just remember he was hugely funny. And she said, well, he's written a new book and, you know, he would like to have a cup of tea with you to talk about it. And I thought, I just think all my dreams have come true. Mm. I can one-up that. No. Yeah, I can. I can one-up that. He's coming to the office he's very not. soon. Is and, he? And... He asked for cake. Your reputation precedes you. <laughs> it does as indeed. Baker extraordinaire. Yeah. So Brian Brown, actually we should probably do the next book chat after Brian's been and after you've had tea with Brian. Because you so, haven't had tea yet. Have no, you? we haven't had tea yet. Yeah. Okay. But I just feel like he's one of the nicest people yeah. in the Australian arts community because he's a major star. Do you remember him in Cocktail? Oh, yeah. I remember How him in everything. How long ago? Would that be yeah. 30 years ago? Yeah. It, it must would be, be 30 years yeah. ago. So, and also he's aged so gracefully, don't you think? Yes, and that's really rare. Yeah. I actually saw, it's off chat, not book chat, but I saw a picture of Tom Cruise the other day and he looks exactly the same as he looked 25 years ago, mm. whereas Brian has aged into being... Sort of like, what would we say, the elder statesman mm. of mm. Hollywood. Mm. <laughs> and behaves like that too. Like in a way that is, that's what happens when, you know, you, you're older, you've had a lot of world experience and this is who you are. This is who you are and you're un- unapologetic about it. Yeah. Do you know what else his, his wife, Rachel Ward, mm. gorgeous, I think is one of the most beautiful women I've ever seen. I agree. And she gets more beautiful. She must mm. be into her 70s now. We can check that. Certainly late 60s. Mm. And she just looks more beautiful mm. all the time. And it's true what people say, isn't it? When you see a beautiful woman, it's beyond age. It's not like she's beautiful for her age. No. It's she's not just like beautiful. she's a beautiful old Older woman, she 
is beautiful. Yeah. Full stop. Yeah, and I like them. I see them a lot on Instagram because they're promoting their daughter's company and I love the interaction. What does the daughter do? She makes food and I've ordered. It's kind of, I'm not sure if it's organic, but it's wholesome, kind of garden grown, whatever. Anyway, I've ordered a fish curry. I haven't tried it yet. It's in the freezer. But she has started a business. I think it's called Good Food. And he does ads where he's sitting there eating it and he's so (laughs) laconic. She's like, Dad, what are you eating? Uh, The lasagna. (laughs) Dad, okay, can you tell us more about the lasagna? Uh, well, it's lasagna um, and it's good. <laughs> you know, have you not seen them? They're great. I haven't seen them. I'll I'm tag it. So he, you've got his fish curry, but he's having your cake. Yeah, he's having my cake. And the book is called The Drowning. Yes. It's actually a novel, isn't it? Because yes. the first one was short stories. Yes. All of them in that crime genre that he's so good yes. at. They kind of linked together. Yeah. Some of them had the same characters as earlier stories, not always. Mm. But this, I think, is his first full-length novel. Mm. I know. I'm and wondering when we're going to see them on screen too. Yeah. And I wonder if we will. I'm, and that's the conversation I'm going to have with him. Is that what he wants or does he want another form of storytelling? Maybe he just wants to storytell in stories, handwritten stories or, or well, written stories. Allow of me to just uh, drop his name again. The first time I met Brian, <laughs> Brian Brown. So you've got a one-up because I'm having gate with Brian but I've never met him before. <laughs> so, well, the, he did tell me that he wanted to be in control of the story. So, you know, when you're an actor, you've got a script that you have to follow. And if you're an intelligent person, I guess sometimes you might be thinking, I could do this a bit better or I wouldn't have done it that way or I would have ended it differently. Or a creative person, you know. know, No, that's a better word, a creative person. I've spoken to um, people that have worked in film and been script writers and then taken their hand to fiction and often that's what they say. It's not um, necessarily that they don't like the craft of storytelling through film or TV, but they like the craft of actually being able to tell the story themselves. And the other thing that they really like is character development and you can get into a character's head, whereas you can't do that so much when you're, you know, through film and TV. It's a different medium, right? Totally. And that's yeah. what they like about it. Totally different. Yeah. The and idea so few of... words... Yes, with so screen. few words. Yeah. The other thing I really like about the fact that Brian Brown has written a novel is that he's moved from one creative endeavour to the next, which is going to be a really nice way into talking about the, our next book, which is Summer of Blood by mm. Dave Warner. Oh, my because God. Because Dave man. Warner is not... He's a musician as well. That's right. So yeah. not the cricketer, Dave yeah. Warner, who no. many people think the cricketer has written a book. No. No. This is Dave Warner from Dave Warner's From the Suburbs, which mm. was the name of a huge band mm. in the 1960s. Mm. He signed with Mushroom Records. His first album went gold. He's an absolute superstar who still writes and still tours, but some time ago turned his hand to crime fiction. He was and in the office is, Thursday night, Carolyn. Oh, this is too much, Cheryl. It too much. <laughs> he was in the office. You've one up to me again. <laughs> with David Wish Wilson and with Karen Herbert. And we had a chat with them live on Facebook. So a lot of our listeners would have seen that. But yes, I think writing music, and we talked about this on the panel, writing music and writing books as much as he said it's very different, it's still storytelling. It is storytelling. Yeah. And did you know him back in the day when he was a huge rock star? No. So apparently, this is really interesting, even Bob Dylan, who is, you know, one of mm. my favourite mm. writers ever, recognised the talent of Dave Warner. Oh, wow, He was huge in WA yeah. in particular, in West Australia where he's from. He actually has the keys to the city. Do you remember that? No, Getting the I keys don't. to the but city. this was the panel. They were all WA writers. They were all 
WA and can I talk Fremantle about, Press. Yeah, and right. can I talk about David Wish Wilson? Yes, same, Fremantle Press. Fremantle, but also was a criminal. What? He was wayward before he started writing. He just lost his way. In prison criminal or? Yeah, I'm not sure if it was in prison. He might have served but he, some but time. But he was a bad guy. But now he's teaching in prisons. Now I did and hear he was a bit a bad, about this because yeah. did you hear about one of his most famous pupils? No. Alan Bond. No. Yes. So no, he, he went didn't to the, share that when he was it, when he was teaching in the prison, he was teaching literature and English and language because a lot of people end up in prison. I know they've done the wrong thing. I know that. But sometimes it's a product of circumstance, not being able Absolutely. to read and write, not being able to finish school, falling into a life of and crime. And a certain demographic and certain you know, demographic. Is more not likely. always, not always, yeah. but it's certainly true that if you have a bad start, you might end up in those circumstances. Or if you have like, you know, you're illiterate, you never got a chance That's to right. learn to read. And Right. A surprising yeah. number of Australians are illiterate. We pride ourselves on having free public education for everybody. But I do know when I was investigating the William Tyrrell story, a lot of the members of William Tyrrell's biological family were illiterate. Mm. And so I would have to go out and do uh, interviews with them in person. Mm. You couldn't email them documents. You couldn't mm. email them questions. You had to. You couldn't even text because they couldn't read and write. And I remember being quite surprised. But then doing some research into it, I understand that it's a much bigger problem. People hide it, Cheryl, because mm. they feel a sense of shame. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So when he went into the prison, he was talking to prisoners, a lot of whom couldn't read and write, and trying to give them the basics. But I do know that one of his most famous pupils mm. was Alan Bond from the American. Cup fame mm. who found himself behind bars. Well, he but, told us bars. the other night, David Wish Wilson, and the book is called I Am Already Dead. He told us the other night that writing saved him. I bet that's right. Yeah. Well, writing and reading can save yeah, you too. Absolutely. Can't it? One more yours? thing I want to tell you about Dave Warner. I know his wife. She was here. How beautiful is she? Gorgeous. Do you know she used to be a Chadwick's model? No, do you I remember didn't know the Chadwick's that. models? Yes, I do. So she was, she was absolutely stunning, and he asked her to be in one of his very early music videos, oh. and they fell in love when she was just nineteen. And they've been together that long ever since. They're completely devoted to each other, and she is a really active member of Peter which oh, is wow. people for ethical treatment of animals. Yeah. So you know sometimes when you see those glorious-looking women standing there with their naked breasts or their bra on and their underwear and they're protesting on behalf of pig slaughter or other things, that's Dave Warner's wife, Nick. Oh, well, she was here the other night and she was absolutely gorgeous. She's stunning. And she was lovely to deal with and she wanted a, t- a T-shirt, a what-are-you-reading want- T-shirt, a black one. She's also completely vegan. Wow. completely to the point of no cheese, no milk, no eggs, no nothing. Like she walks the walk. And I always admire people who, uh, who yeah. actually stand by their principles. But I do think the house is full of rescue animals <laughs> because <laughs> I'm not sure she's ever been able to say no. And probably cockroaches because they can't even squat those. Um, Karen Herbert was here as well the No, other I don't night. know. Karen Herbert, tell well, me about her. Well, I'm just going to give you a little bit of background because it's such an interesting story. Another WA author. But she got retrenched. She had a full professional, very, very corporate career in aged health um, management, right? And she was up there. She was at the peak of her career and she lost her job. And for most of us, like if that was me anyway, it would take me to two to three months at least to recover. Firstly, I'd go somewhere. I'd go overseas. Or, you know, I'd do something. Well, Karen was devastated, absolutely devastated. So she woke up the next morning and started writing fiction. Okay. <laughs> I can't believe, like how 
dedicated, like she knew that that's what she wanted to do, even though she hadn't written before. And so I want to ask you, was writing fiction something she had always wanted to do and and the fact that she'd been sort of golden handcuffed to this career meant she couldn't do it? No, that's what I thought. I thought, oh, had you been an aspiring writer? Had you been just trapped in this court? No, she loved her job. She loved her job? She loved her job. She loved working. But then she needed something to do, so she started writing. So do you know what? The very next day. The very next day. And do you know what? I think that might be the Lee Child story. Do you remember that? That he was a journalist, I believe. Oh, is that right? And got downsized when one of the papers closed. It may not have been the next day, but I do remember his wife telling him, you have to do something. And he came up with Jack Reacher, which became one of the most... Oh, I'm in love with Jack Reacher. I don't know if I need to read another one, though. (laughs) I've read 18. (laughs) That might be enough. Have you read 18? Well, I read them back to back because they're really easy to read. Mm, Love them. And and you can pick up anyone. You don't have to do it in order. One of my favourite scenes in a book ever, ever, ever is Lee Child, where in the – you might remember this. I can't remember which book it was. But they're in the car and they've got a hostage and – another person gets in the car and that hostage is trying to indicate to the other person that he or she, I can't remember, is not with them, is being held hostage and to do that through just eye contact and it was so suspenseful. And such a good scene. Oh, wow. And it was such fantastic. A good fantastic. Uh, but anyway, so, yeah, well, I had those so three Western... WA, yeah, WA Western. riders are on fire this month. Yeah, yeah, and they were in the office. So fantastic, absolutely fantastic. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Did you read the, uh, I I know it's the uh, other newspaper, but did you read the memoir article in The Good Weekend? So the topic, you mean the biographies? It was memoir. It was called memoir. Memoir? I thought it was about biographies, autobiographies. Well, no. I read your quote. Did you? I did. Oh, okay. You're very clever. Well, do you want me to read it out loud? Yes, please. I do like it. It does bring me to... Well, this is part of my quote. It's not all of it. Uh, First-hand accounts of grief and loss never met more to Arkle than when her mother was dying in a Sydney nursing home. As she sat at the bedside in that final week, she read books by two fine Australian writers, Helen Garner, How to End a Story, Chloe Hooper's Bedtime Story. They gave me great comfort, Arkle says. It was as if they were both in the room with me, telling me the stories of their lives. I have a feeling that in 20 years' time, my memory of my mother's death will be that Chloe came and Helen came. I'm only pausing because it's so incredibly moving. Mm. It's so Mm. incredibly moving. But isn't that the power of story? It's certainly the power of biography and autobiography and memoir because 
sometimes a memoir will come across your desk, an example last year from Heather Rose, which was called Nothing Bad Ever Happens Here Out of Tasmania. And I remember hearing around the traps that uh, Alan and I were going to publish this book and I remember thinking... But who is Heather Rose? I'd ne- like, I can understand when a quite famous person, like, for example, Helen Garner, mm. writes a memoir or even an actor or somebody writes a memoir or a tennis player, you can kind of understand people are interested in their life. But Heather Rose is not a hugely famous person and yet it was so profoundly moving. That's, that's the thing. This is what I was saying in this article. It's written by Jane Cadso for The Good Weekend and Jane called me a number of times to do, and we talked about memoir. But... Do you know, I hadn't thought about memoir until she got me thinking about memoir. It, it can be a very short snippet in somebody's life, but it's intimate because they're telling you something about themselves. Telling you the story that might resonate with you. And in particular, I think people, when they're grieving, mm. are grasping for something to make mm. sense of the world. To hang on to. Yes, because the world feels so topsy-turvy and out mm. of control. Mm. And you really need to ground yourself again, to put your feet back on the earth mm. somehow. And I think we've come out of crazy couple of years. I mean, who would have thought the way we lived in the last three or four years? Who would have thought? And I think it's come out where people want to be connected in some way to something else. A memoir does that. An audio memoir does that. I love and it. And audio. So do you sometimes listening to them? Oh, I love them, particularly when they're read by the author. I'm addicted to them. I think I listened to uh, Malcolm Turnbull, Barack Obama. Mm. Michelle Obama I listened to. And Matthew McConaughey. Yes. (laughs) Just because I could listen to that all day. (laughs) Gabriel Byrne and I, since that, I've listened to it twice. We're besties. So you've met in real life now? No. No, but you feel a kinship. Yeah, absolutely. He and I, we were walking, we were in the park, we were pounding the pavement. He gave me great solace for a couple of weeks. I love that book. I think that's true. I guess I, I think... Sometimes when you read a memoir and you're a bit disappointed because they didn't give you enough. That's now, right. isn't that telling? Because we don't really mind what it is that people have done. We no. don't really mind what mistakes people have made. No. And I think, for example, one example of that would be Shane Warne when yes. he wrote his memoir. Yes. He was very open and honest about mm. the missteps that he had made in his life. Because we all make mistakes. And people don't mind. No. They, they, they're no. Quite, if you own your mistakes... And you can recognise that you've made a mistake, learn from your mistake, mm. say, this was my mistake. I'm sorry that I did mm. it, but I did it. It's mm. mine and I'm going to learn from it. Most people will accept that. What they don't like is when you try to jump around and pretend to be something that mm. you're not. Mm. And, and I think that that's the difference often between bi- uh, an autobiography or biography and a memoir. In a memoir, it's usually just a short story that you want to tell us about a particular time in your life. And it's usually something has happened. And that's what I liked about Gabriel Byrne. It was probably more than a memoir for him, but he was he was so critical of the decisions he'd made in life. It wasn't a start like talking about the people he'd met or anything like that. It was his behaviour and how and how he feels about that now. And one of the moments was where he felt that he treated a girl badly, a girlfriend or somebody that was in love with him. And the apology in that book his, just... And his willingness to see that, mm. not to try to escape from no, that, not and to, to try own to it. justify and, to and defend. Yes, and that's why you it. feel the personal connection. I heard him. I felt it, you know. But then I wear my heart on my sleeve. I just love listening to people's stories. I, I do. 
You're also an exceptional listener. I mean, that's one of the reasons why your podcast is so successful because you you allow your guests to talk and also you ask great questions mm. and so they, they feel like they're digging into a different part of their mm. brain, I think. Mm. Lisa Owls was in the other day. Well, she, she's yeah. divine, isn't is she? She's not divine. She's gorgeous. And she said to me, I like your style. She said, because you don't have prescribed questions mm. and then you go from one to the next. And I said, no, it's always been for me a conversation. I'm interested in hearing people's stories. But how fantastic is that I mean I know you're such a modest person and but she is oh like she's one of the best interviewers we oh. have ever met in our <laughs> lives I mean, she's incredible I remember real I watch I like to watch it real in those politicians where she's like oh. like a rope a dope in yeah. a way like she kind of gets them into the corner My and then bam. One, and I told her this and I can't remember what was her name Sally Ann Huxtap or something you know the um uh, the Trump um PR person oh yeah no that's not her name that's, that's not, not her name, name. let's What's not defame name? that poor girl no Oh, um, I know exactly who you mean. Yeah. Huck, it is Huxt. It's, some, it's something. Yeah. yeah. And she was, do you remember I that I do interview? remember that one. Yeah. That she just took, it, took her apart. Yeah. It was fantastic. Absolutely you know? fantastic. And yet she's praising you, my friend. She's <laughs> praising you. Yeah. No, I, I was really flattered. But can, and I forgot to tell her this and I would tell her. So if she's listening, I'm going to say it now. When people first started coming in to record a podcast with us, they often um, were nervous because, you know, early on people didn't really know what a podcast was yeah, and they were quite were, nervous. Yeah, you were one of the first, yeah. And we yeah. were one of the first. And I used to say to people, hey, don't worry, we're not Lee Sales and we're not the 7.30 report. <laughs> <laughs> well, now we are, Liz. Welcome, Lee Sales. <laughs> Welcome, Lee Sales. But I did used to say that to people. Anyway, all right, what else have we got? Have we, have we got anything else? Or that's well, I did. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, yeah. we have got, got a... Oh, so you go ahead. Can no. I go ahead? Yeah, yeah, you go ahead. Um, I just want to talk about the top 50 kids. Do you know we launched that this I week? I know, yeah. And do you know, I mean, it's unbelievable. Craig Sylvie... He's number one. Number one. With Yes. yes, and Did you top know? 100. And number he's number one. one on top 100 as well. Do yeah. you know uh, Craig with Honeybee? Sil- he's one with Honeybee. Okay. Yeah. Well, Craig Sylvie is one of the nicest people on earth. If you're not he following is. him on Instagram, go to Instagram and follow him because. Uh, when it was book week <laughs> this week, yeah. people went as the character from Runt. Oh! I mean, how fantastic is I that? Know. So he's actually created a character that kids want to dress up as. So, yes, of course, they still want to go as Harry Potter and some of them still want to go as like a Disney fantasy there was princess. Lots of Wally. But But they wanted to go as the characters from an Australian yeah. book. How great and is that? And also, speaking of, you know, people that just are so humble, he's so humble. He's so humble. Um, and he had pictures of the little kids dressed up <laughs> as the Runt character. Characters. I was also, so happy. lots of adults have read Runt. A lot of our readers mm. have read read Runt. I of mean, course, it's just it's such a, a wonderful book. Story. But I, can I just go through the top ten? Number one was Runt. Number two, Where Where Is the Green Sheep by Mem Fox, which I love. Yeah, Do you know? Book. I think I've told you this before. When friends of mine, their children have babies, because we're up to that stage, I put a book <laughs> pack together. <laughs> when friends of mine's children, children, when friends of mine's grandchildren have babies, yeah. that's when we. Know we're near the end. Yes, that's when we know we're near, near the end. So I always put a book pack together, right? A little board book picture pack, and where the green sheep is one of them. 
Who Sang the Boat is another. Yeah. John Brown Rose and the Midnight Cat of is course. another. So anyway, so that's my Who list. Who Sang the Boat is my favourite. I love Who I Sang love the it. Boat by Pamela Allen. So rhythmical, it. isn't it? It's beautiful. Yeah. It's really beautiful. And we all know what's going to happen. Yes. We know that that mouse is going to sink the boat. And children <laughs> just find it captivating. Oh, they do, don't yeah. they? Their love eyes it. just get wider and yeah, wider yeah, as you yeah. continue reading. Yeah. It's the rhyme, isn't it? Anyway, number three is the Harry Potter. Number four is the Gruffalo, which kids have mm-hmm. always loved. Always you know, loved, I, yeah. I never got into Gruffalo, but so popular. Number five, The Very Hungry Caterpillar. That's always in my it's bag. It's a staple, yes. The BFG by Roald Dahl. Mm-hmm. Wolf Girl uh, by Arne Doe. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is prolific, isn't he? And just makes such a connection with children. And so many books. So many so books. Many books now. Yeah. Uh, Are We There Yet by Alison Lester. The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, nice to see a classic. And The 13-Story Treehouse by Andy Griffiths. And okay, I was, going to, I was thinking that we might get Andy Griffith in there because he's absolutely brilliant, isn't, isn't he? And he's yeah. been entertaining Australian children now, must be 20 years. One of my fondest memories was many, many years ago, I was in some kind of town hall in Tasmania in Hobart, I think it was, and it was a capacity of a 1,000 at least, and there were a 1,000 children, all primary school, right? And he's up there and there were teachers. And do you know, they were primary age, so they weren't high school. There was not a sound in that room for an hour. They listened and they were entertained, which they were like, he was a rock star. And I often looked at their faces and they were just sitting there like that. The yeah, whole yeah, yeah. hall. What about where the wild things are, though? That's in my bag by Morris Sendak. But why isn't it in your top ten? If you're listening, listeners to Cheryl's fabulous yeah, podcast why, series, yeah, yeah. why aren't you voting for where the wild I, things it, are? It will be in the top fifty. It well, will be. Isn't hopefully. that interesting? Maybe it's yeah. fallen away. Maybe it has. Maybe people have forgotten. But anyway, there you go. What did you read to your children? Well, what that's what I read. Oh, yes. that was sweet. And also my children were very small when we lived in America. We lived oh, in yeah. New York. So we tended to read, like if you went down to the Barnes & Noble or the Borders, which was the local bookstore in Manhattan, you would end up picking up American books. One was called Sylvester and the Magic Pebble. Oh, yeah. It's not very popular no, here. I don't know. And one is called Brown Bear, Brown Bear. Do you remember that one? No. no that one, that was pretty big in America too. So the you Giving did... Tree is one that I remember. Yeah, so it's kind of odd actually how... Well, maybe it's not odd. Maybe it's great that different cultures have different books because yeah. I reckon if you ran that in the UK, Winnie the Pooh would be oh, right definitely. up the top. Or Thomas the Tank. Paddington or... Bear yeah, Paddy... would be yep. right up the top. Actually, that's that's so true because, you know, I go to San Francisco every year and my friends have children. When they were little, I'd give them the Australia, like Who Sank the Boat, Where the, oh, well, she's from New Zealand, but close enough, uh, Where is the Green Sheep? And, right. and you would Which see they American kids. No. they'd never seen before. And you'd see American kids sitting there reading it and it was always so funny for me to hear that. In a know? different, yeah, yeah, in a different accent. Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right, what do you got? Well, look, I've only got two others that I'm reading at the moment. Saving Lieutenant Kennedy. Did you know that mm. when John F. Kennedy was a young man, he mm. was in the military and his plane crashed and he was saved by Australians? No, I did not. And Is that how he hurt his back? Yes, and when he came oh. to the White House, the Australian who rescued him in a Coast Guard boat went to the White House to meet him so that President Kennedy could say thank you for saving his life, enabling him to become the President of the United States. There's pictures of the meeting. 
It's oh, a, it, I had okay. no idea. It may be that you and I are slightly too young, blessedly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had remember. no idea. But 20 years ago, everybody remembered this because I've spoken to some people who are in their 80s, like my parents and other friends of my parents. Said, Do you know this? Like, oh, yeah, I remember that. But in uh, our age group, we no. don't remember. So Do it's know, called I'm Saving often, Lieutenant I'm Kennedy. I'm often so surprised at how Australia comes up in conversations. Like, yeah, I'm listening to an American podcast. I have no expectation that this is about Australia because, you know, I'm obsessed with podcasts. And then they'll say something about Australia and it always jars me. Right, like, right, right, right. Was it a, a, this person wasn't Australian? Yes, yes. Yeah. or something think, really? like that. Yeah, yeah I had yeah. no. But I, when, if you have an opportunity to go online and see the photograph of President Kennedy with the man I'm going to who look rescued him, yeah. it's such a cute photo. Okay. Because, right. And, of course, the Australian is... Absolutely and utterly down to earth. It's like, oh, no, no and worries, mate. No worries, mate. It saved your life. Let you become the president. <laughs> and so the Australian's no longer alive? No longer alive. Oh, let me just... Uh, Take yeah. a photo of that? Yeah, so that I can get myself a copy. And I want you to do one more for me from your stack over there before we run out of time. I'm not going to do that but, one. Oh, you're not going to do that one? Well, it's the AI one. Oh, you want it because AI is a big subject. We yes. need to talk about that in detail. Yeah, so anyway, well, now that we've mentioned it, I will say it's called Faking It by Toby Walsh, but I need... Uh, I haven't finished reading it, and I think AI is a separate it's a book huge chat subject. podcast. It's that, a huge subject, and Art- I think we'll do that next. I think we will do that next. Okay, because there's a lot of conversation out and there, and a lot of people who listen to you will have heard of ChatGTP. Yep, and their kids will be cheating on their school assignments with ChatGTP. Yes, <laughs> so I've it's heard a big that issue. Too. I, I know some families that have been affected by that already. It's a big issue already, so we yeah. probably do need to talk about it in detail. Okay, is that it from you? That's it from me. Oh, okay. do we want to say that Trent Dalton's books out? Yes. Yes, Lola in the mirror. And he's also, like Trent obviously has worked for The Australian for a very long time and he's a beautiful writer for our magazine on the weekends. And there's always a part of me that feels an immense sort of motherly pride towards him. But we have a review of his book in the paper and the the critic that I put on it um, knows Trent obviously and was a little worried, what about if book three isn't as good, blah, blah, blah. Apparently it absolutely tears your heart to pieces and then in typical Trent Dalton style builds you back up again. Mm. He's an amazing writer. Amazing. Very heartfelt. Caroline, until next time. Such a pleasure. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review and check out the other podcasts on the Better Reading Network.